What a wonderful job our praise team does. So good to be with you, Pastor and uh, Sister Jenny. They are on a, a little vacation and much deserved. And truly, it's an honor to be with you this morning to bring the word. Um, we want to do a couple of things. I just want to, to do something personally. Many of you are, are uh, connected on Facebook, social media. You've seen the young man, 14 years old, from Puxico, Drake Guffey. that was in the horrible accident. Um, as of yesterday, at about noon, I believe it was, he passed away. And uh, I know a lot of prayers went up for them, and so we want to be holding that family in prayer. Amen? 14-year-old, uh, having lost him, I'm, I know the family. Uh, went to school with his parents. I know the family, so we want to be praying for them. Um, but before we jump into the Word, we want to do our declaration. How many of you know it's important to do our declaration? Because we're, we're doing two things. We're putting the enemy on notice, and at the same time, we're putting God on notice. We're not putting God on notice in the sense of we're, we're launching bombs at Him, but we're putting Him on notice in the sense of our belief that this is what we want for our church. So I'm going to ask you to stand. And we're going to do our declaration, and then just as soon as we're done with the declaration, I'm going to read this morning's word to you, and then, then we will be seated. So let's repeat this. Lord, today by faith we declare that we are walking in the manifestation season. As your faithful remnant, we will house your very presence. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and he has delivered us from all of our troubles and fears. We are no longer victims, but we are victors in Christ. We will not be deceived by the lies of the enemy, but we will give health, healing, and wholeness to the hopeless and those in despair. We will live under your anointing and see the revealed purpose of Christ in each of our lives. We declare your everlasting word on earth as it is in heaven. Now give the Lord a hand clap of praise if you believe that. Just, just remain standing for just a moment. We'll go ahead and read this morning's word. It's found in Romans chapter 15, just two short verses. Romans 15, verses 18 through 19. And this is the, the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, For I would not dare say anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed, by the power of miraculous signs and wonders, and by the power of God's Spirit. And as a result, and this is what I really want to focus on this morning, I have fully proclaimed the good news. Everybody say good news. About the Messiah from Jerusalem all the way around to Ilicium. I think that's how you pronounce the last word. If not, just pretend it is. You can be seated this morning. That might seem like a somewhat unusual passage to preach on, but how many of you know that this, this theme of this entire month has been about the gospel, about evangelism and spreading the good news of Jesus Christ? But what I love about this passage of scripture is that it really just cuts to the heart of what the gospel is. And there's three things that I really want to do this morning, and the, this is kind of my goal, Lord willing, is that I want to demonstrate and I want to share with you exactly what the gospel is. I want to give an opportunity at the end of this thing. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you will have an opportunity to do so. And I also want to challenge this congregation that whenever you leave this place today, I want you to be so on fire to share the good news of the gospel with Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be phenomenal 
If we came in next Sunday that we, we didn't know what we were going to do because of the seating issue, because we just had so many people in here ready for the gospel. How many of you are in agreement with that? Wouldn't that be awesome? And that's what we're going to try and accomplish in this message today. And I want to just start off with a basic question. What is the gospel? What is the gospel and why should we proclaim it? And I want to dispel a little bit of the notion of what I think so many people think the gospel is. So sometimes before you can say what something is, you have to say what it is not. The gospel or the good news is not some series of steps that you have to take. The gospel is not a list of do's and don'ts. It is not some formula to memorize and use at the appropriate time. However, what makes the gospel so unbelievably great and phenomenal is that it puts a person in contact with God Almighty. It puts them literally in contact with the person of Jesus Christ. And it puts them in contact with all of the goodness and the riches and the blessings that come with knowing Him. You see, the gospel is more than just forgiveness of sins. And that is wonderful and that is needed. Somebody say amen. Listen, but you can be forgiven of your sins or you could have even offended somebody and then that individual forgive you, but what are you doing with the forgiveness? That's also part and parcel of the gospel. It is a restorative effect of what things should be. What is that forgiveness doing for you? Let me ask you a question. Does the good news of the gospel bring you everlasting joy? Even in the here and now? Does it bring you joy way down deep in your soul? Because I want to make a statement here and, and, and I want to explain myself. The, just be, because forgiveness does not always lead to joy. How many saved people, redeemed people, blood-bought saints of God do you know that frankly are miserable people? They're truly saved. They're on their way to heaven. They can tell you the Roman road. They can share the gospel themselves. But the way that they live their life on this earth is reflective of misery and not of true joy. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And I think if we're not careful, the church has unknowingly, unwittingly made the gospel about escaping hell and its heat. And that's important, somebody. But I want to tell you, the gospel goes far beyond that. The good news of the gospel is not just about escaping hell. It is about the Messiah, Jesus Christ, which is exactly what the scripture said. Paul in our text did not say, and I'm quoting, the good news about how to escape hell. No, he said the good news about the Messiah. Because salvation and the gospel is not just about the life to come after this one. It should have a radical joyous effect on your life in the here and the now. Somebody say amen in the house. The good news is about fellowship with Jesus Christ. It is about the blessings and the mercies and all of the joyous things that come with that. It is about the person of Jesus Christ. 
It is about the one who breathed life into our nostrils, according to Genesis 2. It's about the one who created me in his very image, Genesis chapter 1. It is about the one who crowned me with honor and you with honor as the pinnacle of creation, Psalm chapter 8. It is about the one who, while I was a sinner, died for me, Romans chapter 5, verse 8. It is about he who adopted me as his very own child, Ephesians chapter 1. It is about the one who has made me an heir, according to 1 John and chapter 3. It is about the one who loves me as a perfect father, 1 John chapter 3. Nothing can separate me from him, Romans chapter 8. He made me an altogether new creation, according to 2 Corinthians and chapter 5. The Bible declares in Hebrews 13 that he will never leave me nor forsake me. Can I tell you, the gospel is not just about escape. Hell, it is about that person that I just quoted you about, the person of Jesus Christ. Give God praise in the house this morning. The gospel is about finding joy in his person. God help the church that we have made the gospel into a salvation formula for someone to repeat and not a relationship to long for. Let me say that again. The church, if we're not careful, has made the gospel into a salvation formula for someone to repeat and not a relationship to long for. You see, the moment that you got saved, praise God that you are saved. You have, you, God has pulled you from the destruction of hell. But now he wants relationship with you. He wants to deposit himself in you to draw you closer to him that you walk with him every single day of your life. And do you think of the scriptures that I quoted to you that God wants nothing more for your life than to just save you from hellfire? No, he wants you to experience joy. In relationship with him. Listen, a house could be on fire and you could, you could go pull somebody or even a heathen sinner could go pull somebody from the fire before they die. And, and that's wonderful. You're, you're, you're sparing them. You're saving their life. But the gospel goes way beyond that. It doesn't just pull somebody from the fire. But whenever the Lord saves, that, saves us, he adopts us as his own. He blesses me. He calls me his own. He lives in me according to Scripture. He has mercy on me. He loves me. He wants to be with me and give his joy as my very own. He wants to give me him very self. That is the news of the gospel. Come on. That's the gospel. If we're not careful, we've made it just about, oh, let me tell you how to escape hell. And yes, of course, that's obviously important. But, but the church has got to take the message further in, into what it really is. No wonder people aren't receptive to the gospel. Because they've made it a get out of hell free card. Listen, even the rankest sinner would save another person from fire if they could. Even the rankest sinner would save another person from fire if they could. But that doesn't mean that they will call you his own. Are you hearing me? What I love about the gospel, what I love about the Lord is that God not only saves me from hell, but he makes me his very own. I'm sure many of you have probably seen video clips on social media, maybe some videos on TV where they'll have these good news segments where 
uh, an individual, and I'm just throwing out an example, will run into a burning, uh, burning house, a house that's on fire, and pull somebody from the fire before they die. And then the next thing you know, two or three days later, they're doing some kind of a TV interview with the person, and, and they're talking about the experience, and the person that was saved was given their experience, and the person that ran in there gave their experience, and they're kind of bantering back and forth, and it's just one of these feel-good things. And it's an, How many of you know what I'm talking about? You've seen this kind of stuff on TV, social media. And listen, all of that is good, but, but let me just tell you what, what the Lord did. The Lord showed up in my life when I was on my way to hell, And he didn't just come down and pull me from the fire and sit down and say, now I just want to have a chat with you and let's high five each other and kind of bear hug one another and you go on your way with doing life and I'll go on my way with doing life. No, the Lord came down when he saved my life. He sat down and he said, now you know what? I know I've saved you. Now what I want to do is I want to put a robe around you and I want to claim you as my own. In fact, I want to adopt you into my very family. You're not just some stranger that was left out on the street only to high-five me and, and, and thank me and call me a hero and all this kind of stuff and you go your way and I'll go. No, I, in fact, I want to bless you. In fact, I even want to give myself to you. Can I live inside of your heart? Can, can I deposit my Holy Spirit in your life? Can I call you my own? Can I make you my heir? In other words, that's what the good news of the gospel is. Come on, somebody. It's not just saving somebody from destruction. It is saving them from destruction and then bringing them into your life, into your existence. Which is exactly what the Lord did for us. That's the good news of the gospel. we got to quit making our example of the gospel like some sort of memorial service. So what do you mean by that? Well... We know in Scripture that there is the memorial service, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. Even Jesus told us in terms of the Lord's Supper, he said, Now you're to do this thing in remembrance of me, talking about the remembrance of his death and the price he paid and the pain, the things that he suffered through and all the horrible things he went through. But let me just tell you some good news. Here's the good news. He didn't stay in the grave. He's not in the grave. Listen, I've been there. I've personally been there. He's not in the grave anymore. There's nobody there. It's empty. The good news is, is that he got up out of the grave. He rose from the dead. He beat death. And without the resurrection, there is no good news. But can I tell you, there is good news. He's not in the grave. He is alive and well. He is alive and well. There was a good Friday, but there was an even better Sunday. Resurrection Sunday. My challenge to every born-again person in this house is start living your life like Jesus is alive. Listen, we didn't come into a memorial service in here. Memorial service is what you do for somebody that's dead. They're in the grave. We're doing this in remembrance of them. And Jesus said we're to do, or do, do the, the, the Lord's Supper in terms of a remembrance of the pain and suffering. But we celebrate because he is alive. You can't have a relationship with a dead person. If you try to, you're sick and weird. You need to be saved and you need to be delivered and come see me after service. We've got a lot of talking to do. The church has got to quit preaching that Jesus is alive, but yet living their life as though he's dead. Are you hearing me? You can't enjoy relationship with a dead person. And I don't know about you, I didn't come to church today for a memorial service because Jesus isn't dead. He is alive. And the Bible declares that he's seated at the right hand of the Father and he's making intercession for both you and I. 
He is alive and He is well and He cares for you. No, the gospel is not just escape from hell and then eternity in heaven. The gospel is fellowship and joy in, with, by, and through Jesus Himself in the here and now. In the here and now. So I want to ask you a few questions, just food for thought. Do you treasure Jesus? Do you treasure Jesus? Do you value Jesus? Do you enjoy Jesus? Do you? I'm I'm not lobbing stones. This is just food for thought. Because I want you to understand if you're honest with yourself and you're sitting back today and you say, well, you know, Josh, really the Lord is kind of distant from me. You know, I I believe in God. I believe that he raised from the dead. I've accepted. I I mean, but there's just this, you, you know, there's just this distance. There's this block between us. I want to tell you something. He wants to come down and fellowship with you. He wants to be with you. He wants to be a part of your every moment, of your every hour. He wants to be a part of every decision in your life. He wants to bless you. He wants to anoint you. He wants to favor you. That's the kind of God that we serve. That's the good news of the gospel. Jesus' very words when we stand before him one day in Matthew chapter 25 verse 21 says, Enter into the joy of your master. Enter into the joy. There is joy. And listen, if you are saved, then then the Lord should not just be master one day when you get to heaven. He should be master here and now. I told my class Wednesday night that we 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 have dual citizenship. We are citizens of a kingdom, and we are also citizens of the United States. We are citizens of a republic. So we, we live in both a republic and in a kingdom. And can I tell you that when you live in a kingdom, a true kingdom, a true monarchy, when you live in a kingdom like that, the king is in charge. Whatever he says goes. There's no debate. There's no let's take it before a parliament or a a congress or anything like that and let's weigh this thing. No, if the king is in charge, he is Lord and he is master. And is Jesus Lord and master of your life? Everybody wants a savior, but nobody wants a Lord. Come on. And the Lord wants to come down and he wants to fellowship with you. He wants you to experience his joy. Listen, Jesus prayed a prayer toward the end of his earthly ministry in John 17 and verse 24. A couple of scriptures here. He says, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory. He goes on to say in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 7, Paul records this. He says that the glory he wants us to see is the unsearchable riches of Christ. It is the immeasurable riches of Christ and the grace of God and kindness toward us in Jesus Christ. In other words, we are to experience those things, the unsearchable riches, the immeasurable riches of serving the Lord, even here and now. Even here and now. What the world needs to see is truly joyful, joyous Christians. And the only way that you're going to be joyous and joyful serving the Lord is when you have a relationship with Him. Relationship. How many of you know relationships are work? Some of you are like, mm-hmm. They are work. And you know what? Even in your relationship with the Lord, there will be things that, that, he, that he requires of us, things that he, he, He's trying to lead us down that will challenge you. But how many of you know it's for your own good? It's for your own good. Even now on this earth, we should be growing 
in our relationship, in our glory, in our joy with the Lord. Um, I think one of the biggest, biggest struggles that we have, especially the upcoming generation, that even in the church is facing, I mean, this is going to sound crazy, you may or may not agree with me, this is a personal opinion, I think, I think people just struggle with boredom. Just straight up sheer boredom. And I think whenever they think of serving the Lord and, and serving Jesus Christ and doing churchy things and all this kind of stuff, that it's boring and that it's not exciting. And, and we, we, we've got ourselves accustomed to, you know, uh, uh, entertainment 24-7, that as soon as we get up, we've got to be searching the Internet, watching TV, listening to me. We've got to be doing four or five things at once just to keep, just to keep us entertained. And I think that people kind of translate that kind of notion over into serving the Lord, that it's just boring. There's nothing boring about serving the Lord. That didn't go over very good. There's nothing boring about it. Because here's the thing. Can I just give a quick little story? And I knew I was going to bring it up, and I tried not to, but it just fits so perfectly. Yesterday, I rode 60 miles on a bicycle. I don't recommend it. I do not recommend it. It was one of the most painful, excruciating things I've ever done in my life. It was boring. I got out on straight stretches out in the middle of Kentucky, had no clue where I was. I was with, I don't know, probably a couple hundred other riders that was out there. I was toward the end of the pack. Yes, I was. And, and you would be going through these straight stretches and, and headwinds would be coming at you. And you'd be going up a few hills. It was pretty flat, believe it or not, where we were in Kentucky. It's hard to believe, but it was pretty flat. But you get into some of these hills over there and, and the headwinds would be coming at you. And all you got is cornfields and tobacco fields and barns and houses and combines and tractors and dust and wind and all this kind of stuff. And you get to this point about halfway through and you're like, why am I doing this? I told Hannah, I made a confession to her when we was at lunch yesterday. I said, I actually, I said, I'm going to make a confession. I said, I, I did something that, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even joking you. I may have been somewhat out of my mind a little bit yesterday. Because, because I was talking to myself, and I don't do that. It was stuff like, you know, what are you doing? You know, like, why are you doing this? You know, and then I'd answer myself. Well, I don't know why, you know, and then you'd ask another question. And then, I, you know, it was, it was a little bit weird. And I was even freaking out about it a little bit, you know. I need to get some sugar in my system or something. You know what I mean? And so you, you go through these things. And here's, here's my point is that there would be these times when it was just me. It was just me. And I'd be out on these straight stretches and Hannah had already blown my doors off and way up ahead and I'm just pedaling and I'm fighting. And I'm like, oh, this is so boring. Can, 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 I just, can I be honest with you? Can I just say something to you? There's going to be moments and times in your life and your walk with the Lord where things aren't always going to be on these mountaintop experiences. But here's what I have found. Here's what I have found. I could not wait until the next rest stop. I couldn't wait. I mean, I'd be thinking about, man, I'm going to get up there. I'm going to get this to drink. There, there's going to be people laughing and talking. We're going to be sharing stories. And, and, and can I tell you what? Everything in life may not always be this mountaintop experience. The Lord might allow you to go through some valleys, go through some low moments. And but I tell you what it does. It builds your anticipation for the next rest stop. It builds your anticipation until that next encounter with the Lord. It build, you, you, you just you can't wait for it, so you're pedaling harder. i got to get there. i got to get there. I may die, but I'm going to get there. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get there, you know what I mean? And when you get there, there's just this relief. There's this joy. And can I tell you, everything in life isn't always easy or fun, but when you get to those encounters with the Lord, it makes everything okay. Give the Lord a hand clap. 
The gospel, living the gospel, being the gospel is not always easy. It's hard. But then you'd be out there on the road and every once in a while you'd come, you'd come past somebody. And they'd encourage you. Come on, I didn't know who these people were. Come on, you can do this. Or every once in a while I'd pass somebody, believe it or not. Come on, you can do this. And so you just, you, you encourage one another in the Lord until you get to these moments and these times in your journey. And then the Lord builds you up. That's what it's about. That's what we're doing here today. Because some of you are in some of the lowest places you've ever been in your life. And you thought, what in the world am I doing here? I thought this thing was supposed to be easy. Well, let me tell you, it's not always easy, but it's good that you're here. Because the Bible declares that there is a joy that surpasses understanding. And when you are in the middle of something you cannot understand, you cannot rationalize, the peace of God comes into your life. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place right now. The peace of God will come into your life and he will sustain you and encourage you until the next time. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise right now. The gospel. Be the gospel. Share the gospel. Now for those of you that were in my class Wednesday night, here's 2.0. What is our job? What are we to do with the gospel? Well, when I look in Scripture... Many times when you look at the life of Paul and you would look at the life of the apostles, they would oftentimes do the majority of their ministry in what's called the forum. Many of the ancient towns, the ancient squares, I've been to Jerusalem, Hannah's been to Ephesus and different, different ancient Roman cities, and they would many times build these cities around a central location that would be known as the marketplace or, or the, the forum is what they were actually called. And it was just the city square and everything within the city kind of branched off of this central location. And it was in the forum. The forum was the gathering place where all of the city came together to do life. That's what the forum was. It's where they gathered for social events. It's where they gathered to talk about political things. There would be political debates. That's where the shops were usually set up along the perimeter. It's where meetings happened. It's where just life happened was in the middle of the forum. It was the center. The forum was the center. It was the hub of the ancient city. And it's where all of life would take place. It is the prime location, can I tell you, the forum for the apostles. The forum was the prime location to give the gospel. And people think, well, Josh, um, you know... I thought sharing the gospel, and y'all know where I'm going with this one. This, this ain't original with me. Well, I thought the sharing the gospel, that's for the pastors to do. You know, that's for the evangelists to do. That's for the church staff to do, to share the gospel and all this kind of... That's for the church employees, that it's not really my job. That's what a lot of people... They won't tell you that. They won't dare tell you that to your face, but that's what they think and feel in their heart. That's just kind of their notion of it. And can I tell you that the anointing and the call of God to witness is not relegated to full-time ministry. It's just not. Show me in Scripture where it says so. It is not relegated to those in the pulpit. It's not relegated to those that's on, on stage or on staff. The truth is, if you are saved, you are in full-time ministry. You may not carry a title. You may not carry some kind of a position or whatever the case may be. But you are, my friend, in full-time ministry. And you may not have a stage and you may not have a pulpit, but your primary ministry is in the forum of your life. 
It's in the forum and the square of your life. Listen, if you're a stay-at-home mom, then guess what? Your ministry is in the forum of your household. You are to take care of your children. You are to give the gospel to your children. When you go out into the, into the highways and the byways and with your friends, that's your forum in the moment. Share the gospel. Listen, Paul was a tent maker. He was a tent maker. He wasn't in full-time ministry in the sense of a, 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 of a paid job. In other words, you don't have to have a paid position to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the call. It is the duty. It is the pleasure. How dare you use that kind of word about that? No, listen. It is the pleasure of us to share the best news ever. And I jump back earlier, if, if that's hard for you or you just can't, do you enjoy the Lord? Do you enjoy Jesus? Really? Listen, if you have really good news, if something just fell into your life and it's really good news, most of us can't shut up about it. We just, I've got to tell them. It has nothing to do with anything, but sit down. I've got to tell you this story. Because you've just got to tell somebody. I love new Christians. Because they come in and they're full of just excitement. They know what the Lord has done. They, they can look back into their recent life. Man, the Lord pulled me. i got to tell you about But you know what? You get somebody that's been saved for 30 or 40 years. Mm-hmm. Come on. You see, now you're throwing truth bombs at us. I'm sorry. Am I making sense in the house? Listen, you may not have a stage. You may not have a pulpit. But you are in full-time ministry in the arena and the form of your life. If you're a teacher, be that witness in the schools. If you, if you, you, know, if you are a factory worker, you've got a giant church. You're the pastor of a massive church, and they don't even realize it. I mean, if, if, wherever you find yourself, that is your forum. That is your marketplace. That is your place of encounter to do life with. And let me tell you this, too. Don't sell yourself short. Well, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to do this. You know, I, I don't have the courage. Let me just tell you something. Like an anointed pastor or an evangelist or teacher, prophet, apostle, all these, you too are anointed of God to take the gospel message to the forum. The pastor's role carries no more influence in the kingdom of God than the role that you play on your job or at your home or with your friends. Let me, let me explain myself when I say that. God does not respect one call more than He respects another call. What He respects is when you fulfill the call that He gave you. That's what He respects. And you say, well, Josh, I'm not, I'm not called to these different... That's okay. What are you called to? And when you step into your call and fulfill your call, and God will honor... Listen, it's not like God's going to be one day, well, now listen, I gave you a greater call uh, than I gave this person. And even though you didn't do as God, uh, good of a job at your call as what this one did with the lesser call, I'm still going to go ahead and anoint you and bless you even more, even though you didn't do a very good job with it. And they did a phenomenal... That's not how the kingdom of God works. That's not how it works. If the Lord gives you a call and you fulfill it to the best of your ability with his help and you have a quote-unquote lesser call and you fulfill it to the best of your ability with God's help, when you stand before the Lord one day, you're both going to get the same reward because it's about you fulfilling the call and not about you trying to heap things on yourself. 
Well, Josh, my church is, is small. My, my forum of influence, my place of influence is tiny. So what? Most of the early churches, when you look at them, were just small handful of people. And we're still reading about them 2,000 years later. Come on. Oh. Listen, Jesus was born into an average middle-class family, like most of us probably here. He wasn't born into royalty or wealth or some kind of connected family. He was the son of just an average carpenter. And he worked as such all of his life until roughly the age 30 that he started his ministry and only then for three years. Get this, Jesus was known in the forum long before he ever started his ministry. You know, that's where Jesus did his, his, his carpentry work, was in the forum. They knew all about him. They're in Nazareth. They knew all about him. Bethlehem, they knew all about him because that's where he was. That's where he did his work, was in the middle of the forum. And get this, he performed his ministry in the same forum where he worked as a carpenter. Hey, that's where he started, was just right where he was. Now we know later on, according to the Gospels, he went out and he spread out. But that's where his ministry started, was the same place where he did his job. And can I tell you that that's where the Lord wants you to start your gospel witness is in your forum. Wherever you are, wherever you are, that's where you give the gospel. The forum, which is exactly where you need to be, is doing your ministry. There was none of this, there, there was none of this idea of, well, today I'm going to serve the Lord. But then for five days out of the week, I'm going to go to, go, to, go to work and just go through the normal routine. And then on Sunday, I'll come back and serve the Lord. There was none of that thinking. Come on. That for the early church, the early apostles, sharing and witnessing and giving the gospel, it's just what they did all the time, no matter where they were. They could be on the job, working the job, but they're sharing the gospel. Somebody else is funding the ministry that they're doing. And that's what the Lord has called us to do. So I ask you a question. Who can you influence for Christ today? Who can you influence for Christ today? I heard just a few days ago, and this kind of shocked me. I didn't realize this, but I was listening to uh, Focus on the Family um, episode that they had playing. It was on 91.7, and I believe the guy's name that was talking, his name was Jim Daly, and he gave this stat, and it kind of shook me up a little bit. He said that it takes an average of 11 times of contacts with the gospel or being shared, having the gospel shared with somebody, an average of 11 times before someone will confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. 11 times is the average that it takes. They, I guess they've done a study on this. An average of 11 times is what it takes. And I think when I, when I heard that, I thought, oh, man. I thought, man, that's kind of, that's not very good percentages, you know. That's, that's not a very, I mean, if, if, I go, if I go to the same person and I'm, you know, and I, I'm sharing the gospel 11 times, I mean, I, you know, it takes 11 times before one person will convert, before one person will prefer. I thought, that's not very good percentages. That's just not very good. And, and it's like the Lord just dropped it in my spirit. And, and just the reason so many people are afraid to share the gospel is due to rejection. Rejection. They just don't want to be rejected. Nobody wants to be rejected. Right? Nobody wants to be rejected. About anything. In fact, when you can look up the psychology of things, the number one thing that people long for and want is acceptance. That's all anybody wants is just to be accepted. 
And rejection is the polar opposite of that. So what people do, even blood-bought, Holy Ghost-filled saints of God, we're afraid to share the faith because there's this innate fear of rejection. Well, can I tell you, that's making the gospel about you and not about Jesus Christ. And can I also tell you, in this Americanized Christianity, it ain't about you, baby. Some of you just got rocked. It ain't about you. It's not. It's about Jesus Christ. How many times in Scripture do we see Paul refer to himself as a slave unto the Lord? When the master gives a direction, you follow it if you're the slave. Can I also tell you that they rejected Jesus all the time? Think of his three years of ministry, all the people that came to him, all the, the feeding of the 5,000, the miracles, those that, the masses that followed after him. Well, can I also tell you that the night that he was arrested, when he was in the forum, when he was in the forum and he was being judged and having things passed, he was totally alone. Every single one of them abandoned him. Jesus knows what it is to be rejected. You're not sharing anything new and revelatory to the Lord. In fact, we, let me just say this. According to the stat I just shared with you, 10 times out of 11, you can pretty well bank on it. You will get rejected. Let me jump ahead. I found this. My mind, I feel like the Lord gave me this. I just want to give you something real quick. It's amazing to me. How many baseball fans have we got in the house? A lot of MLB, MLB fans, okay? It's amazing to me how we will idolize athletes. And we'll, 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 you know, these MLB players, we'll put them on a pedestal. We'll just make gods out of them. Almost, you know, idolatry if we ain't careful. We'll just put them in these high places in our life. Let me just give you a few stats on a few things here. Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron in his total career had 755 total home runs. His lifetime batting average was a 305. How many of you know that's pretty good? That's pretty good. Not really. Can I just be honest? Not really. That tells me seven out of ten, uh, seven out of ten times he, he stunk it up. Seven out of ten times, and he's one of the greats. He's the pro. Even the pro struck out. Seven out of ten times. And yet we'll sit there and we'll idolize these people. Put them on a... Pe- oh, you know, my Hank Aaron, yeah, blah, blah, blah. You struck out. What are you talking about? You're a professional. I, 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 just hear me now. I'm making a case. Babe Ruth, lifetime batting average, 342. He's known as the king of SWAT. 342. Our very own, everybody in Missouri knows all about Mark McGuire. Guess what his lifetime batting average was? 263. <laughs> what would be impressive is if you can get a guy that gets up there and he hits about, oh, I don't know, 900. Anything in school, an A is what? 90 or above. Best I can tell, these guys flunked. Am I wrong? And these are the pros. These are the ones that get... Now listen, 
I've been down to the batting cages. I know how hard it is to swing at a 95-mile-an-hour fastball. And I know in my slow, going-on-middle-aged white boy self, I can't get around fast enough on a 95. I mean, by the time I'm right here, I mean, I don't have reaction time. I, I kind of have to put the bat right here in order to hit it. I'm not claiming to be anything great myself. You understand. But if we're just talking figures, if we're tra- talking numbers, what I'm trying to show to you is, is that we will sit there and we will idolize these guys that in terms of their numbers, you know, oh, yeah, that's what, but in reality, okay, you're the pro. Can I tell you, they struck out the majority of the time and yet people will idolize them. Can I tell you, if you want to just satisfy the Lord, swing the bat of the gospel. It's not your job to hit a home run every time. In fact, you will probably strike out most of the time. They rejected Jesus. Most of them's going to reject you anyway. That's not my job whether or not they accept the gospel, but it is my job to share the gospel. It's between them and the Lord. I might be a one for 11 guy on the gospel. I might be far worse on sharing the gospel in terms of averages. But share the gospel. Give them the gospel. Well, I don't know what to say. Yeah, you do. What did he do for you? Just what did he do for you? Just tell them what he did. All the time, well, I don't know what scriptures to use. Pull up Google. Gospels to share, or scriptures to share about the gospel. Come on. Come on. Saying hard, we just don't want to be rejected. And let me tell you something. As best I can un- understand, the gospel and, and serving the Lord is an invitation to die to yourself. It's an invitation to die to yourself. But when you die to yourself, you take on the joy of the Lord. His joy becomes my strength. This ain't about me. I'm about to bring it to a close. The National League and the American League batting average for 2018 was approximately a 250. That's the average between both leagues in 2018. That's, that's, that's a quarter of the time they got on base. Guys, my point is, you will strike out far more often than you probably get on base, so to speak. But instead of making it all about you and, 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 and taking personal offense to all of this, share the gospel. Give them the gospel. It sounds to me like if I'm one for 11, I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right. And if you could start t- thinking of it that way, yeah, they might. But, but you know, if I'm one for 11, according to I'm pretty well, I'm, I'm doing a good job. A- am I making sense here? It's not about trying to make things perfect, but you've got to change your perspective on this kind of stuff. And when you do, you get confidence. You get courage. And you're able to share the gospel more effectively. Listen, first few hundred years, first few hundred years after Christ's ascension into heaven, the church on earth was very small, is very centralized and, and for the most part, very small. Today, around the world, collectively, there are approximately 2.2 billion of us. 2.2 billion Christians. Now, you know, people will debate, are they legitimate, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm not trying to get into all that. I'm just saying people that will, will put the check mark Christian, 
they say there's 2.2 billion of us. Friends, listen, how many of you know we got, there's a lot of people that ain't saved? There's a lot, we got to share the gospel. But 2.2, we're not alone in this thing. We're not alone in this thing. There's a bunch of us. But the thing of it is, we want to take a bunch more with us. We want to take a bunch more with us. Amen? I'm going to ask Pastor John, praise team, to come if they would. Got just a few more minutes. I want to share something with you. A guy by the name of, he's a pastor by the name of Tim Keller. He shared a little insight on something, and I thought this was powerful. I want to share it with you guys. He says that he believes that many Christians live in what is called an if-then relationship with gospel, or the gospel relationship with the Lord. In other words, even Christians, even Christians, he says, do this. They think to themselves, well, if I do what is right, then God will love me. Now, they won't say that. They know the churchy lingo, but that's what they really believe in their heart, if they was honest. In other words, they think to themselves, if I give more money to missions, then God will provide more money elsewhere in my life. If I avoid sin, then I won't suffer and be humiliated. It's a cause-effect thing. That's what many Christians feel like. Can I tell you, that's conditional relationship. It's you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back type thinking. It's based on merit and earnings. But he, reflect, he changes this on what it really is. He says, no. He says, the gospel, the good news of the gospel and our relationship with the Lord is this. It's a because, therefore. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, this is what the scripture says, Romans chapter 5. Because I have been justified by faith in Christ, therefore... I have peace with God. In other words, because Christ died for us, therefore, we are forgiven. Are you, are you seeing the difference here? Because Christ fulfilled the law of the Old Testament in my place, therefore, I am set free from its demands and penalties. Am I making sense? This is an unconditional relationship that is based on grace. That's grace. That is where unspeakable joy comes from in that type of relationship. And I'm going to ask everybody to stand if you would. We got a, we got a bunch of people in the house today. My question is, you know, maybe you're, maybe you're saved, but there's some confusion on your part in the sense of you're living that if-then gospel. Well, that's not really the gospel. That's not really the gospel. What, what, what is such good news about earning anything? Where's the good news in earning your salvation? That isn't good news. That's what every other religion on the face of the earth tries to do is earn their, 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 their merit. Every, there's no good news in that. That's not good news. The good news is because therefore, because of the finished work of Christ on the cross, therefore, it's a statement, therefore, it's not conditional, therefore, if I put my faith in Him, I am saved, I am redeemed. That's the gospel. 
That's the news we are to be sharing. And of course, I told you earlier. Every saved person in the house. I want to, I want to explain what the gospel is really about. And I want to challenge you to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know where I think the next great revival is going to come from? I believe this. We talk about the first great awakening, you know, with the Jonathan Edwards and the John Wesleys and the George Whitfields of the 1740s and 50s. We talk about the second great awakening that was in the 1800s. We talk about all these kinds of things, the Azusa Street Revival. Listen, where I think the next great move of God is going to come from, it's not going to come from, you know, these, these you know, bigwig uh, uh, pastors, you know, with mega churches. It's going to come from those in the forum place of life. That's where it's going to happen. It's just going to come from you. And there's going to be unity in the body of Christ in the remnant churches like this that are going to get on board. They're going to get so on fire for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. That guys, just, just look around you. I mean, just, take, just, just do a panoramic view right now. Just take right now. Look around. If just one, if, if ever, just one person, just one, we would not be able to, to put everybody in here. Just share the gospel. And say, well, man, they might reject me. They might make fun of me. That's all right. You, go, you know what? I, I don't, I'm not trying to make this about numbers. I'm really not. But I'm just, I'm just going to show you an example of something. That's all this is. I'm not trying to make this about numbers. You know, just somebody rejects you, just put down one. Ten more to go. Go to the next person. No. Nine more to go. I'm coming up on it. I'm coming up on this thing. Oh, there were eight more to go. Doggone it. I'm going to keep sharing. Well, just go down the line. Very, toward the end, odds are, odds are, somebody's going to accept the Lord. And then you better get ready to rejoice with them. Because the Bible says that the very angels in heaven are having a heyday. I teasingly, I'll say this, I'll teasingly. I told my class Wednesday night about the Pastor Randy knows all about it and Pastor Kent they went to China several years ago and am I right that there was a Chinese woman that led over 100,000 yeah true story ask him there was a there was a little Chinese woman no you know to, to us just faceless and nameless she, in other words she's not famous we don't know about her individually I'm not talking about preaching to mass audiences and all this kind of stuff individually one on one one on one she has won over 100,000 people to the Lord. So if we're playing the odds, she's, in other words, if we're playing, she has told the story more than a million times. Listen, share the gospel. I, I told my classmates and I said, you know what? I have to believe that the angels in heaven are up there and this woman is just winning people and they're clapping their hands and they're rejoicing and they're praising God and they're every once in a while they're like, would you slow down for a minute and give us a break? That's a soul winner. The Bible says he that winneth souls is wise. Now listen, I hope I have, to the best of my ability, given you what the, what the gospel is about. It is more than just saving you from hell. That's important, somebody. But it, but it is about experiencing the joy of the Lord in the here and now every day. 
every day. I got relationship with the Lord here. The kingdom of heaven is not just in heaven. The kingdom of heaven is, is now. Jesus' message when he was on this earth was not about the kingdom of heaven to come. He was talking about the kingdom of heaven is now. We are part of the kingdom of heaven now. Now. And the king has graciously, wonderfully issued the command to share his good news. You can do this. You can do this. God will honor you. Yeah, they're going to reject. Yeah, they're going to make fun of you. But man alive, whenever that one starts, the first one you get, you're not going to know what to do with yourself. What do you mean? You, you mean you, you really accept him? Praise God. You ain't going to know what to do when they do. And then you go down to the next one. And you build confidence in this thing. And before you know it, you're a soul winning machine. And then all the angels in heaven, they're looking down, they're saying, who is that person? Man. And so that someday when I stand before the Lord and you stand before the Lord says, well done. Well done. How many of you want that? Well done. Yeah. So listen, real quick, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this house, the gospel has been shared this morning. It has been shared. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior in the full pardon of your sins, this is your moment. I want you to come. We're going to give you that opportunity. I want you to come. Or if you're in here, you're saying, well, Josh, you know, I, to be honest with you, I've kind of backslid. I've fallen away. I need to recommit my life. I, I want, you know what? We're going to pray for you too. I want to give you that opportunity. I'm going to hold for just a second. I'm going to give you that opportunity. But I want you to come. It, it, would, it would just give me the greatest joy to pray with you. These elders, these people to pray with you. Give us the greatest honor and joy. Is there anybody? All right. Then my challenge to you guys, my challenge to you, and it has been this entire month, and it's going to be the rest of this month. Share the good news. Share the good news. Don't just tell them about what how the Lord has saved you from hell. That's wonderful. That's, that's awesome. But you know what? Most people aren't thinking about eternity. They're thinking about today. They're thinking about the struggles they're going through today. They're, they're thinking about the struggles they're going to go through in their family, in their finances, the sickness. What, what has Jesus done for you in that stuff? Give them that. Give them that. Tell them about how the Lord has set you free. Tell them about how the Lord has healed you. Amen? Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I, I've done the best I could, Lord, at giving, presenting the gospel. Father, I pray that we would just get on fire by your Holy Spirit, Lord, to share the good news, the full gospel of Jesus Christ, the name that is above everything. God, you, you, you loved us so much that you sent us your very Son how wonderful. He died in our place. How wonderful. How gracious. How unbelievable. How unbelievable. Now, God, I pray that we would have the courage and the strength, not in ourselves, where it's going to take the Holy Spirit to help us, but to be those witnesses in Jesus' name. And if you agree, say amen. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed.